Welcome to Horror Nights In Podcast. Scary movies. Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your one and only host, Crystal. I also have my wonderful co-host, the one and only Roxy the Kitty, who adds in her comments here and there depending on the topic. So I upload a new podcast every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time, but of course you guys know I'm probably just for a little while going to be doing every other Monday, um, just so that I can focus a lot, uh, just a little bit more of my energy on uh youtube so on this podcast we talk about my life my favorite horror movie of the week that you guys pick and anything else horror so thank you so much for being here i also challenge all of you listening to leave me an itunes review it not only makes my days better it also helps other horror fans find me so you can find me on the socials. So I'm on Twitter at Horror Daddies R Us, Instagram at Horror Nights and Podcast, uh, Tumblr at Horror Nights and Podcast, and of course on YouTube at Horror Nights and Podcast. So be sure to follow me on there for all the latest Horror Nights and news. So I want to take a couple seconds and just uh, thank you guys so much for all of the recent iTunes reviews that I've been getting. Um, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Uh, so my challenge for you guys is to make sure you tell a friend about my podcast, especially, and of course, somebody who loves horror. Um, so if you have a friend that you've talked to, um, you know, if you have if you have somebody that you know that loves horror movies, I literally have like, I think this is like my... I can't even tell you. I think I'm in like the 50s for how many episodes I have. So it's literally like 50 hours plus of of podcasts where I just talk about horror stuff. So if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody or knows somebody or whatever, however you want to say that, um, that likes horror movies and, you know, likes podcasts, definitely recommend Horror Nights into them, guys. Um, Podcasting is my first love. YouTube is my second love. Um, and you know, obviously this podcast means a lot to me. So definitely tell a friend because, you know, we got to keep, got to keep growing. We got to grow together guys. So yeah. So on this episode of Horror Nights and we are actually delving into the 2015, uh, horror film, uh, Tales of Halloween. So I'm going to be giving you obviously the Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb score, and then we're going to delve deep into the plot characters and my overall honest and horrific opinion of the film. So before I get into, um, the episode, uh, or I guess of the film, I want to say thank you guys so much for all the love um, that I recently got on my newest YouTube video. Um, It was a little bit different than what I usually do. And if you guys are not following me or not subscribed to me on YouTube, please go over there and check it out. I have, I think there's five videos up now. Um, And the last one I did, it got a lot of positive reviews. So thank you so much for that. Um, so yes, thank you so much again. I know I keep saying it, but it just means a lot to me. This is something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time. And I feel like I'm starting to slowly grow a bigger platform of, you know, whether it's YouTube or Twitter 
more my podcast. Um, you know, podcasting is something that I started almost a year ago now. My first episode went up on October 13th of 2018. Um, and it is now September 27th, obviously on the day that I'm recording this, it's September 27th. So we are a couple weeks away from my one year anniversary and the amount of people and things that, you know, have changed in my life are awesome. I've met, well, I virtually met a lot of you. Um, and it's definitely something I'd love doing as my, as you know, a hobby, but I want it to be more than a hobby guys. I want this to be like my life. Like I want to make YouTube videos and I want to make podcasts and I want to talk about horror. And it's something that's just very important to me. So in order to do that, like I said, we have to make sure we get the name out there. Um, and you guys are definitely playing a huge part because you're listening every single time I upload. Um, and I seriously just, it means so much to me. And, you know, thank you so much for supporting. And we're just going to blow this shit out of the water because it's something that's so cool. And I love what I've created. And I love that I, you guys are helping me create this. So thank you so much again. Um, also, there will be a probably by the time this episode is um, this episode goes up, there's probably a, uni- a new YouTube video. Um, so I'm doing this thing where I do a review of every single one of AHS 1984 episodes. So if you are a fan of American Horror Story, check out my YouTube at Horror Nights and Podcast. Um, and make sure you guys are following me on Twitter. Twitter is probably where I'm the most active. I'm literally on Twitter all day long, tweeting you guys, talking to you guys, talking about horror, coming up with ideas, having polls. I love Instagram too. I'm very vocal on Instagram. That's at Horror Nights and Podcast as well. Um, I upload I upload on my Instagram story every single day, pretty much just, you know, talking to you guys, telling you what I'm doing that day. So if it's something that you really like doing, if it's, if Instagram, if any of those things are something that you like, and, um, just make sure that you're following me on there because, um, I love engaging with you guys. I love talking to you, retweeting you. I love hearing your thoughts, your opinions on everything. Everybody in this horror family, the Horror Nights and Horror Family is so fucking awesome and so dope. I love you guys so fucking much. You literally have no idea. Um, and I haven't jumped on my mic for my podcast in a, in a couple weeks now. I really miss it. You guys are like my core audience. You guys are, you know, you've been here since day one and it's just so dope to me. I'm so happy that you guys are here and I know that I'm literally rambling right now, but I am so excited for the future of Horror Nights In and I want you guys to be there with me and I want you to bring all of your friends with you too. So if they love horror, bring them along because everybody is invited. I don't care if you're a girl, a guy, whatever your sexual orientation is. If you love horror, you are invited here and you are a part of my family. And if you ever fucking need anything, guys, I swear to you, if you ever need anything, just go into my DMs, you know, go, whether it's, um, I think the best way to, 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 um, DM me would either be Instagram at Horror Nights and Podcast or my Twitter at, at Horror Daddies Are Us. If you guys, it doesn't even have to be about horror. We can literally talk about whatever the fuck you want. Just hit me up. Like, I love talking to you guys. I love when you guys tell me your stories. So keep doing it. I love hearing from you. You can even email me if you want. Pretty sure my email's on my YouTube, um, on my YouTube channel. So, Seriously, guys, thank you so much for being here. Let's keep growing. Let's fucking conquer this shit together. So I think that's it. That's actually going to be really fun for me to listen back to. I feel like I'm preaching. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so let's get into the podcast. 
So, Tales of Halloween. Rotten Tomatoes gave this film a 78% with 41% of the audience liking it. IMDb gave it a 5.5 out of 10. So, Tales of Halloween was released October 6th, 16th, 2015 with a running time of 92 minutes. This film was directed by a ton of people with a ton of writers and I want to give each of them their moment to shine. So, I'm going to talk about them as we encounter each of their stories because there are about 12 directors and and 14 writers. So a short IMDb synopsis of the film is 10 stories are woven together by their shared theme of Halloween night in an American suburb where ghouls, imps, aliens, and axe murderers appear for one night only to terrorize unsuspecting residents. So funny story before we get into this film, um, it actually was a solid tie on Twitter this um, last week because this film um thankfully but thankfully i did a poll on instagram and over on instagram uh they wanted tales of halloween so it was between tales of halloween and halloween 2007 um so i was actually gonna sway the twitter poll but my friend patrick over at critics not cynics said i shouldn't do that (laughs) so shout out to you i listened to patrick and i went with the instagram or i went with what instagram said Um, so, and obviously if you guys want to, um, uh, be a part of the polls on Instagram, it's at Horror Nights in Podcast. Also, I hope you guys are enjoying the YouTube videos. Um, make sure you're subscribed to that as I said already. Um, so I also did a trailer video for my channel, um, that actually ended up with me stepping on attack and... (laughs) which really sucked. That really freaking hurt. So I was actually hanging up posters. It's just a funny story before we get into the, uh, if you guys, um, are subscribed to my YouTube channel, the opening, like the, um, trailer video for my channel at the end, I tell you guys that I just stepped on attack. So basically what was happening, I was hanging up my moving posters like a college kid because my apartment, my apartment building is really old and some of the walls actually have concrete behind them. So I tried to tack the posters up that wasn't working. So then I used tape, but then the posters like kept rolling off they kept like falling because they were rolled so tightly um I got them off Amazon so I was using tape and tacks at one point so because it took me so long to do this and so many tacks and tape I missed a couple tacks that fell on the ground and of course my heel found it so that was fun it was it was literally guys like a good inch and a half that was in my heel like I thought it was glass until I looked down and then I saw the pretty gold top of the tack sticking out of my heel um, I did call for my co-host Roxy, but she didn't really care at all. Um, and also this is the second time I've stepped on attack in my lifetime. So I don't know my feet just like tacks. Okay. So let's get into the episode. So this film was actually named the best horror anthology since trick or treat by Fangoria magazine and among the best Halloween themed movies ever made by daily dead. So, uh, the first one is, uh, it's called sweet tooth. Um, and but before we get into Sweet Tooth, the film actually starts with an animation telling us it's Halloween, and then we get a radio DJ also telling us it's Halloween. Then it goes through each story. There's a small animation that coincides with the trailer, its director. So it's also like moving around town to show that everyone lives within a few miles of each other. Um, so I'm getting a lot of, of course, trick or treat vibes um, from you know, already with their narrator DJ giving out warning signs that they uh, were also given out in trick-or-treats like check your candy and how like this is the night that the dead walk. Um, so we get our first story, A Sweet Tooth. It was directed 
and uh, it was written and directed by Dave Parker. So it looks like a little boy has come home from trick-or-treating and checking his candy, checking out his candy haul. He takes an apple that has fallen out, picks it up, shakes his head, and throws it over his shoulder. He then starts going to town on his candy when his sister comes in and tells him to slow down. Um, and this is actually not his sister. It was his babysitter. I apologize for that. I have not updated my notes. Um, she also has the shortest skirt on, but hey, you know, it's Halloween. Uh, her boyfriend then jumps up from behind the camera, um, from behind the couch and scares them and then sits next to her. Um, the boyfriend then tells Mikey, who is a little boy, to slow down on the candy and make sure to leave some for Sweet Tooth. Mikey then tells, uh, Mikey then asks who that is. Uh, to which we get the tale of Sweet Tooth. So about 50 years ago, a boy named Timothy Blake lived on that very street. Timothy loved Halloween and getting all the candy he could. But as soon as he got home, his very strict parents took the candy away from him. Uh, the parents then sent the boy to his room without his candy. But Timmy wanted to know what his parents did with all this candy one year. So on that Halloween, Timmy snuck downstairs to see what his parents were doing. And then he saw that his parents were very seductively eating all of his Halloween candy. Hey, Roxy. I thought she was in a meow. Uh, so anyway, so he did what every other kid would do upon seeing this. He grabbed a meat cliver and killed both of his parents. So after both of his parents were dead, he ate every last piece of candy that his parents had him. When that was all gone, he turned and ate the candy out of his parents' stomach. <laughs> Uh, we then get a pretty cool pan of Timmy sitting on the couch covered in blood next to his gutted parents smiling as we learn that every Halloween, if you don't leave some candy out for Timmy, he will come and find it even if you've already eaten it. So uh, Lizzie, the babysitter, is now tucking Mikey in, Mikey in and he's worried that the story was true. Fearing it was true, Mikey sneaks out of bed and puts a carpenter bar in front of his shut bedroom door just in case. So back with Lizzie and the boyfriend, she is admitting that they probably took the sweet tooth story too far and freaked out the little boy. But the boyfriend laughs it off and tells her that every kid gets spooked by the sweet tooth and not to worry. So Mikey is now fast asleep and then he hears some rustling outside and wakes him up. He then hears a deep voice go trick or treat <laughs> and he dives under the covers. So back with the babysitter and the boyfriend, they both have eaten all the candy in sight and now are sick to their stomachs. Lizzie leaves to get them both Pepto-Bismol, and while she is gone, a demon Timmy kills her boyfriend by reaching his demonic hand down Kyle's, the boyfriend's throat, and finding candy. So Lizzie is now back, and Kyle is sort of slumped over with his head in a pillow. She then pulls him back and sees he is pretty much bleeding out of everywhere, and his intestines are coming out of his mouth. Uh, she screams, then we hear something outside, but then we hear Mikey yell her name, and then Demon Timmy is chasing Lizzie while Mikey runs and hides under his covers. Or he hides under his bed, I apologize. We then hear Lizzie scream, something snap, and then we hear chewing. Mikey's door then slowly opens, and we see a bloody hand snatch the candy bar he had left out, and the door slowly closes again. So Mikey's parents are now home, and we see them pull into the driveway. They go inside, and there's a trail of candy on the floor leading to the dead babysitter and her, and her boyfriend, who are gutted just as Timmy's parents were. Mikey's mom screams, and Mikey turns to his parents and says, they ate all my candy, and the screen goes black. Uh, so now we're on a brand new set with um, a set of teens and a little boy. The story is called The Night Billy Raised Hell, which was directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, and it was written by Clint Sears. So it looks like an older sister dressed as a very suggestive cheerleader is dragging her boyfriend Todd 
with her to take her little brother Billy trick-or-treating at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Todd then stops Billy and explains to him that he needs to do some big kid stuff like doing the tricks and getting the treats. We then learn about Billy's next door neighbor who isn't a fan of Halloween at all. Todd then takes out a raw egg and shows Billy, Billy it. He then starts taunting Billy along with his sister that if he doesn't throw the egg at the house, he will tell everyone that he peed his pants. Not exactly the nicest thing to do to an eight-year-old, but we watch as Billy takes the egg, walks up to the house, but before he can throw the egg, we hear the other two scream, laugh, and then run away as the neighbor catches Billy's hands in his, chucks the egg at Todd, and ushers for Billy to go inside. Okay, so right away, the sister and the boyfriend suck, and she gets the worst sister in the in the world's award because she is leaving her little brother and letting him go inside the very creepy neighbor's house. So right off the bat, the neighbor, Mr. Abaddon, is a little bit more pervy than scary. Um, we see that he has horns and elf ears and keeps making comments about Billy's mom and is going to show Billy what a real Halloween prank is. He then starts, so then they leave um he then starts taking billy to houses to go trick-or-treating there are like funny cartoon sounds coming from mr abaddon to probably take away the element that he is pretty much kidnapping an eight-year-old um so the first house they go to is actually a dentist who gives billy a toothbrush and toothpaste and shuts the door mr abaddon abaddon then takes the toothbrush and a pocket knife he whittles it down to sharp objects instructs billy to knock on the door and then stab the dentist to which he does um, so the next house, Billy is taking a baseball bat to some Halloween lawn decorations and then pouring gasoline on the rest of them. His terrible sister then comes out of the house yelling at him, but then he grabs something off the ground and throws it at her, then lights the remaining ghosts on fire. Then they proceed to trip some little kids. They hold up a convenience store. They carjack Adrian Curry, who was the first winner of America's Next Top Model, and uh, dated Wayne Brady. Um, they then run some trick-or-treaters over and spray paint on some garage doors. I also noticed that the boy we thought was Billy was actually not him at all. Um, but it was actually Mordecai, who is the accomplice of Mr. Abaddon. And the real Billy is actually tied up inside of Mr. Abaddon's house still. But of course, they had the same costume on. Um, it seems that the prank was on Billy. And now he is arrested, peeing his pants, and his life is ruined. So I'm going to leave my thoughts on that one till a little bit later. <laughs> so moving on to the next story, it's called Trick, which was directed by Adam Garash. And it was written by Greg Commons. So we meet a group of four young adults watching a black and white film on TV, drinking and smoking and handing out candy. They are joking back and forth about kids all being dressed up as pirates, and it seems that each time the doorbell rings, one of them gets up and gets it. So the one guy gets up uh, when it's his turn. He gives candy to a little kid and her mom. Uh, but before he goes to sit back down, he hears a knock and it's a little girl in a witch costume and glasses that reminds me actually of Rhonda from Trick or Treat. But then she then takes out a knife and she starts stabbing the guy in the stomach and says, treat. He then stumbles back inside and the others take notice that he is stabbed. So one friend wants to call 911, but another female friend, she grabs her purse and goes to get the car. But as she is trying to find her keys, another little kid in a costume under the car cuts her Achilles tendon and she falls. Then little girl... Um, that was dressed up as a witch we saw stab the other friend along with another group of little kids in costumes all start stabbing her <laughs> so back with the others they're trying to figure out where the car is but then they see the other woman stumbling backwards and then she falls into the pool 
It is clearly dead. So now we have the one last guy friend freaking out. He runs into another part of the house and another little kid is waiting there and basically lights hairspray on fire and lights him on fire. Then proceeds to shove rat poison down his throat and tape his mouth shut. So now he is dead. So the last friend we have uh, that's left is now running from the house with her phone and she goes to hide in what looks like an outdoor shed. And then she goes to call 911, but something stops her. Um, We now see each of the kids is around the house with their weapon of choice. It then goes back toward the last friend who is deleting photos off her phone, um, where there's some pretty morbid pictures of her and the others, like, eating kids' eyeballs. Um, The door then opens. The kids come inside the shed, and they flip on a light to reveal what looks like a a literal kill room and a little girl is actually strapped on the table with her left eye and a bowl next to her um the others help her get down and we see the last friend um is huddled behind a counter the kids then start coming towards her and the uh the little girl witch hands the little girl the other little girl an axe and the little girl goes happy halloween you fucking sicko and axes her right in the head and then the screen goes black um, so the next story we have is called The Weak and the Wicked. It was directed by Paul Solit and it was written by Molly Millions. So it starts off with an older kid eating his candy in a sketchy looking alleyway next to a dumpster. We then see a gang of tatted bullies start harassing him, but he's able to get away when they all become distracted by something we can't see yet. We then see it's another teenager, but his face is covered with a ski mask. He's wearing horns. He has protection on his skin, on his, um, his shins and his knees and his thighs and also has like this army green jacket on. Um, he also has what we can assume is like blood on his face. The leader of the gang, Alice, who is giving me some serious Harley Quinn vibes with her baseball bat, asks if she knows him, but he instead hands her a piece of paper with the drawing of a demon on it, uh, which is who he is obviously trying to portray with the horns on his head. She then calls his bluff and he falls backwards and runs away. She then tells the others to mount up and they all put on the skeleton mask and proceed to chase him through the streets of some abandoned area of this town. He then is able to scale a wall. He checks his pocket watch and the camera then zooms into his head and we see that he is now much younger and watching a small trailer on fire with his parents inside who are obviously killed. Um, The young boy is actually played by uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays the little kid Eddie in It, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, We also see behind him that the three bullies are also kid versions of themselves, and Alice is holding a lighter, so these bullies have been bullies for, for forever, it seems, and they killed his parents, which is super fucked up. Anyway, so back to the present, they start kicking and punching him, and Alice then remembers he is actually Jimmy Hansen, and she killed his parents many years ago. So the entire time, we also hear Jimmy reciting what we can assume are words to summon a demon to kill the bullies and to get revenge. Uh, Just as Alice is about to light Jimmy on fire, the two bullies behind her get snatched away by something that we can't see yet. The camera then pans to a a full-on demon Um, that kills Alice and sprays her blood all over Jimmy, who smiles. Jimmy was also played by Keir Gilchrist, who was in It Follows. And then that story ends. So in the next story, Grim Grinning Ghost, written and directed by Axel Caroline, we are told a story by none other than the iconic Scream Queen Lynn Shea, who is 
of course, in Nightmare on Elm Street, Critters, and Insidious. So it looks like they are at a Halloween party, and she's telling a group of adults the story of Mary Bailey, who was bullied her entire life because of her disfigured face. And now she comes back every Halloween to taunt the living. She then warns that if they are walking home alone at night and hear a cackle behind them, not to turn around, or the ghost of Mary Bailey will take your eyeballs. (laughs) So one of the partygoers then sneaks up behind another partygoer and scares her. So we have to assume that she is the one that is easily, easily spooked and is actually the daughter of the woman who is telling the story. So it's now the end of the party and everyone is leaving. Um, and um, Lynn Shea is actually uh, making fun of her daughter for the piece of crap car that she has. Um, the daughter then gets into that very car and she's listening to a radio that correlates that someone is behind you. Um, she isn't really paying attention. She almost collides with another car. She slams on her brakes, misses the car. But now her car is not starting and she goes to lift up the hood and all the smoke spills out. Um, She then closes the hood and she accidentally smashes her phone. So now she has no other option except to walk home. So on her walk home, she's getting spooked by the decorations. And we see that she is now walking down a very dark road. And here's a woman cackling behind her, but she keeps going. We then see a figure is actually behind her, but she's telling herself, don't look, don't look, don't look. She finally gets home, looks behind her, but nothing happens except for some like distance whispering. Um, So then she's, she kind of just laughs and then she goes inside. So she's now getting ready for bed and we have the, of course, the iconic mirror scene that's in a lot of horror movies with her bathroom door opening, but it's just her puppy. So she is now in her living room reading and watching an old horror film and her pup looks behind her whining and then runs away. She then leans back on the couch. She kind of like looks at the dog. She looks behind her. She starts laughing and then she leans back on the couch and when she goes to sit like lean all the way back we get a very creepy jump scare of Mary Bailey sitting right next to her. She's wearing like a white gown, no hair and like black teeth and then of course um, the lady screams and that story ends. So the next story we have is Ding Dong. It was written and directed by Lucy McKee. So we're introduced to Jack and his wife, Bobby. So Bobby is sitting inside her home, very upset over the fact that she doesn't have any children of her own. Jack tries to cheer her up by dressing up their pup, but she decides to punch him in the face instead um, and then turns into a crazy demon asking where her child is. Uh, Fast forward to the current Halloween and it seems that she's totally fine again and a little crazy um as she answers the door uh jack is still worried and traumatized from last halloween when he got punched out by his wife um but he's dressed as hansel this year uh she opens the door and it's actually the kids who are from the story trick um the ones who ended up killing the adults who were eating kids eyeballs um then we see that she is doing some kind of weird like Halloween prank with Hansel and Gretel and how she eats little kids and she does this over and over again. So we get like a montage of this until she sees one last little girl uh, come to their door is actually holding her mother's hand. Um, and this is kind of like a little bit of a trigger for her because they close the door and Jack's seeing this that she's starting to go crazy again um, suggests that they call it a night but my papers want to move but then he gets slapped across the face um she then switches and tells him she's like i'm gonna go bake some cookies and sets the broiler to 666 because of course the doorbell then rings again and it's a little boy dressed exactly as jack but he is all alone so bobby this crazy woman takes advantage of it 
But Jack, seeing that his wife literally might eat this kid, flips on the porch light and alerts a mother who is looking for her little boy that he was right there. So now they're back. They're both back inside. And this is when we find out that Jack actually got a vasectomy because his wife is batshit crazy and decides this is a good time to tell her as she is opening the oven. Um, and we can pretty much see flames behind her. She then turns around upon hearing this. She's pissed. She morphs into a demon. She grabs Jack. And she throws him in the oven. She then turns and says she is melting. And the story ends. Um, so the next story is, and obviously, guys, we are going to be getting into my honest and horrific opinion in a little bit. So now they are back. Um, uh, so the next story is This Means War. It's written and directed by Andrew Kosh and John Skip. So we see that a man is decorating his house for Halloween. And it's pretty extensive, but we also see that he's in competition with his rock and roll next door at Neighbors. It's now Halloween night, and he's all ready for Halloween. But as kids are starting to trick or treat around his house, the rock and roll neighbors start partying and are basically scaring away the kids and the parents. Um, so the neighbor then decides to go confront his rock and roll neighbor, who pretty much tells him that he isn't going to turn the music down. And how he likes the other neighbor's setup because it looks like a little scary daycare. He then gets pissed. He runs into where the music is set up and he rips out the power. So the rock and roll neighbor then grabs a bucket of fake blood and runs to the other display, threatening to throw blood all over it, which makes the other neighbor charge at him. And then he gets blood all over him in return. So they then start fighting and breaking decorations in the process. A huge crowd gathers. Cops show up. People are recording on their phones. Um, but then the other neighbor pushes rock and roll neighbor onto a spike and it looks like the spike is going right through both of them. So the crowd starts freaking out and the camera pans backwards to show that they're actually both dead. They died on impact on the spike and then that story ends. <laughs> so the story up next is Friday the 31st written by Mark Mendez and Dave Parker and it's our and directed by um, Mike Mendez. So it starts off with a um, a girl. She's dressed as Dorothy. She's running from a killer who I assume is dressed as Jason Voorhees. Uh, she then spots a shed. She runs inside. She then barricades herself in and in turns to see a bunch of dead bodies. And the one, uh, one ahead of her friend Casey, who I believe is actually the name of the sole survivor in Friday the 13th, um, before Jason kills her, inside of a pumpkin. And the head that's inside the pumpkin kind of resembles Pamela Voorhees. Um, so the knockoff Jason Voorhees and jumps through the window, but Dorothy is able to grab a pitchfork and shove it into his stomach, but it doesn't really do much. Um, she's able to get away, but then he grabs her leg as she is about to escape, but she hits him in the head with a hammer now. So just as she's about to get away, he grabs a spear, throws it through the air, and it lands right through her chest, killing her. He then walks over to her, kicks her, and makes sure she's dead. Then a beam of light shoots down from the sky, and of course it's a UFO, and a little baby alien comes out dressed as a pumpkin and says trick-or-treat over and over again, causing the killer to become annoyed, and he eventually stomps on him. So the little ba baby alien particles then go inside the dead girl, and she shifts a little bit. The killer stops and sees that the dead girl is now possessed by the little alien baby, and the first scene then starts again, but with the roles of the killer and the victim reversed. They then start stabbing each other with various things like a machete, scissors, and so they both basically decapitate each other and just like this huge pool of blood everywhere. The little baby um, alien then comes out of the decapitation 
decapitated girl's head and beams back up to the UFO with the killer's head now. Um, so the next story is called The Ransom of, Rust- of Rusty Rex. We meet two men in a van outside of a huge house and a little boy coming out waving goodbye to what we assume is his dad. The two men then start discussing robbing banks and kidnapping, so we can assume that they robbed banks in the past and are about to kidnap this little boy. They put on their Halloween masks and start walking behind the little boy as he is trick-or-treating. So this is actually the same boy that was in the previous story. Um, you can I recognized his jacket that he was wearing. Um, they then basically like flank him on either sides, and they're able to easily kidnap him. So in the next scene, we see that the little boy is actually tied to a chair in some warehouse, but he doesn't really seem all that interested in them, but more so like in his candy. Like he doesn't seem that he's distraught. Um, He's also still wearing a mask, so we don't know what his face looks like yet. Um, Then we see the one one robber goes to call the the little boy's father, but the phone call doesn't really go as plans because the father pretty much tells him he is a poor bastard and hangs up. Um, He then calls the father again to negotiate a ransom, but the father says not interested and not to call the number again. Um, Before they can do anything else, the little boy actually escapes with his mask on the floor now. The other robber is now looking around for him as the other robber locks the door. Uh, As he continues to look for him, the little boy then attacks him and starts biting him. And we see that it's not a little kid at all, but it's actually this kind of like demon vampire ghoul thing um and so then the other robber hears his partner screaming he starts he comes finds him he starts shooting at the vampire ghoul thing and um it flies backwards but now the ghoul is up and grabs the gun away from the robber but it's out of bullets he then jumps up and runs away but the two robbers are able to smack him over the head with a chair um They then decide to take him to the swamp to get rid of him. The two are back at the warehouse after they do that, and they see wet footprints on the ground. Um, The one robber starts following them, but then we see that um, the little ghoul is actually behind the other robber. He then grabs the phone, calls the father, begs him to take his son back, but the father is like, hell no. Apparently, this thing showed up on his doorstep five years ago and has held him hostage ever since, and now this little ghoul thing is the robber's problem. Uh, the robbers then try to light him on fire and drive and decide to never kidnap anyone again. So they are now pretty far from town. They stop at a gas station to get something to eat. So the one robber is coming out of the store and back into the van. He turns to see, (laughs) to talk to his partner, to see that the little ghoul demon vampire is back and ate his partner. And he screams and the story ends. Um, So the last and final story is called Bad Seed, which was written and directed by Neil Marshall. So this story begins with a husband making jack-o'-lanterns. And once he is done, his wife comes in to see his masterpiece. Um, she then reminds him that they have to get ready and he says he will be right in. He just wants to clean up. So as he's cleaning, we see the one jack-o'-lantern move a little bit that he had carved. So in the next scene, the wife is coming down the stairs and sees that the pumpkin is now biting off her husband's head. Once it's clean off, the evil pumpkin then slides away. In the next scene, the police are there, led by Detective McNally, who is shown the sketch of the culprit, and it is indeed a pumpkin. The scene then shifts to a mom and her son trick-or-treating. Mom gets a text. Son, son wanders off uh, by himself. He goes up to a house with the evil pumpkin and sticks his hand inside the pumpkin, screams, and his mom runs to see that her son 
was eaten by the evil pumpkin. Uh, the detective is now back at the station to see her captain. And he, he, it's pretty. This is actually a pretty cool part. He's summarizing all the stories in the entire film thus far. He's saying, like, people have been, you know, killing themselves, neighbors killing themselves, and UFO sightings. Um, so uh, he's basically summarizing all the stories in the entire film. Um, and also a couple cops, too. Like, two cops talked about the first story, The Sweet Tooth. They were like, oh, this one kid ate his parents or something like that. Or ate, ate the babysitter. Um, so the detective, or I'm sorry, um, forensic Bob is also another character in this film. He made a 3D model of what bit off the, hi Roxy, hello, how do you feel about this one? Oh, she's still, oh, okay, okay, okay. So anyway, let me finish. Um, so forensic Bob, as I said, is another character in this. He made a 3D model of what bit off the guy's head in the beginning of the story. And it matches, of course, the mouth of the evil pumpkin. The detective is now on the road and gets a call about something close by. As she arrives, we see that the evil pumpkin is the one who is behind it all. There's like cars on fire. There's kids screaming and the evil pumpkin then jumps on the hood of her car. She gets out, fires her gun at the pumpkin as it runs into a backyard um obviously the detective follows it and sees that there are a ton of other jack-o'-lanterns too she then spots the evil one but she doesn't have any more bullets so forensic bob is there to the rescue throws her a shotgun and she blows the evil pumpkin to bits um so the bit she's like looking at the pumpkin bits on the ground she sees a logo for clever corp advertising that the pumpkin is 100 percent organic and apparently a super pumpkin uh, the two then head to Clover Corporation and ask the man who is working, who looks like he's like a scientist, to see where they grow the super pumpkins. And they are brought back to a section and they see thousands of evil pumpkins waiting to be sold. Um, the story then ends. Okay, guys, welcome back. It's now time for my favorite part, the honest and horrific opinion time. So overall, this film was okay. I really wasn't a huge fan. Um, I like the idea of the different stories, but some of the stories were good. Some were cheesy and some I just really didn't like at all. But I mean, that's just my take on it. I, If you guys like this film, obviously, that's fantastic. Um, I accept everybody's opinion when it comes to everything horror. Um, so let's start with the 10 stories and how they're all pretty cohesive. Um, like we have the same trick-or-treaters, fog, lighting, spooky feel to all of them. So I really think that all of the directors did a good job on making them feel as if they were really in one town on Halloween night. Um, there are also a ton of really cool cameos in this film, as I mentioned in each story. Um, and like where you might recognize them from. So my top stories were Sweet Tooth because those parents were shitty and weird with like some strange kind of cook, uh, candy fetish. So I was really happy that Timmy kind of got back at them and then became a demon. <laughs> um, Trick was also another one I enjoyed because the adults were literally eating kids eyeballs and then they got like killed by the kids. So I thought that was some good revenge. Uh, the Wick and the Week it uh, the weak and the wicked is also good because fuck those bullies for killing Jimmy's parents. So some of them that I was kind of like eh about is Friday the 31st. It was funny, but you guys know I'm just not a fan of funny horror. And this was one of them. Um, same with the ransom of Rusty Rex. It was okay, but also the same realm of like comedic horror, which I'm not a fan of. 
Um, so the ones I didn't really like at all were the night uh, Billy raised hell just because his sister sucks so bad. But I did enjoy, of course, the iconic Barry Knapp Boatswick, who we all know from like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, Ding Dong was also terrible because I just didn't like the story and the husband. He could have just left his wife, but instead he literally like castrated himself and stayed with her. Obviously, he's dead now, but still, he's a pussy. <laughs> Um, the other one I wasn't a fan of was Bad Seed, just super ridiculous, not entertaining. I did like how they did the detective like wrapped all the stories together in one. I thought that was pretty neat, but I it was just not entertaining for me. Um, okay, so let's move on to the films that I liked or the the stories I liked the best. So I loved um where I loved um Grinning Grim Grinning Ghost and This Means War. So I really liked um, Grim Grinning Ghost because of, obviously, as I uh, mentioned before, Lynn Shay and also Alex So, who is in Doctor Sleep. Um, I liked it because it was scary and more of the horror I like versus the ones I mentioned previously. It wasn't too long and had the right amount of spook, and the villain was really scary too. Um, the other one I really enjoyed was This Means War. I liked it because it's it's I don't know the two basically killing themselves over Halloween decorations is so fucking ridiculous but I don't know I kind of I liked that one I thought it was something like it was like something so simple like Halloween decorations literally did they they killed themselves over it so I thought that was something that could be realistic because sometimes neighbors don't like each other um so some of the of these stories were also very morbid and involved kids which you guys know I'm not a huge fan of um I'm also not a fan of comedic horror unless I know it's comedic horror like Shaun of the Dead um of course I will continue to watch comedic horror because it's part of the genre but I'd rather watch like found footage like Grave Encounters or like the real Friday the 13th I don't want to be watching like I don't know. I just don't like comedic horror, guys. I never really have. When I watch horror, I want it to make me feel anxious. <laughs> make me be like, oh shit, like what would I do in that situation? I can't I can't be entertained by like an evil pumpkin. I just can't do it. I can't be entertained by like a little ghoul vampire thing. Like that's not entertaining for me. That's not scary for me. The concept is it's okay. And I'm not talking shit on any of these writers and directors. It takes an insane amount of talent to do that. I don't have that kind of talent. I mean, maybe maybe if I actually like pursued it, then I would. But for the most part, that kind of horror is not entertaining to me. It's nothing against the creativity of the writers and the directors. Because like I said, the film, the, each of the stories looked really good. Um, some of the blood in them was a little unrealistic. But for the most part, like the it was very cohesive it was good there might have been too many stories going on maybe we didn't need 10 maybe we could have been okay with like six or seven even five um 10 might have been a little little much but I mean some of the stories were longer than the other ones some of them are shorter um this film actually made me want to watch trick-or-treat again so I could just like cleanse my eyes of like the awful stories that I just did not enjoy um but like I said of course if you guys like it it's totally your opinion your opinion is obviously your opinion whatever you think whatever you guys like I'm not bagging on anybody 
that like this film i'm just not somebody who likes comedic horror unless i know that it's comedic horror like if it's if i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna be like okay i'm gonna watch Shaun of the dead like i know what i what to expect um but some of these i just i just they were not entertaining for me and i was like writing even when i I mean even when i was watching them i was like are you kidding me like this really isn't here but then again, you guys know the kind of horror I like. I love found footage films. I love those gritty, nasty, like serial killer maniacs, like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween and like, you know, all the crazy fucked up found footage films that I watch. Like, you guys know what I like. And this is not what I like. <laughs> but this is why I let you guys, or this is why I want you guys to pick the films for me because if I hadn't put the poll on Instagram, this entire podcast would be about Halloween 2007. So, you know, that, that's like, it's just a point. Like you, I am picking what you guys want me to do because this is your show too, as I said in the beginning. This is something that's important to me. It's important to you guys. So, you know, I just, I, it's, it wasn't my favorite film. I will probably never watch it again. Um, I will 100% watch Trick or Treat again. <laughs> I know in the other podcast for Trick or Treat, I said I wasn't going to, but um, after watching Tales of Halloween, now I know why I didn't know about this film. So anyway, if you guys enjoyed it, that's great. If this is one of your favorite films, love that. There were definitely some good things to take away. Like the DJ was really cool. She made an appearance in the fog. So she was kind of like revamping her role again. I get all that, I you know, but not for me, guys. Um, all right. So thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with your one and only host, me, Crystal, and Roxy, my co-host. So if you enjoyed this episode, go listen to another one, binge it out, leave me a review, and have the best week wherever you are. And whatever you do, remember to always give your honest and horrific opinion. Follow me on Twitter at Horror Daddies or follow me on Twitter at Horror Daddies R Us. Follow me on Instagram at Horror Nights in Podcast. Follow me on Tumblr at Horror Nights and Podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Horror Nights and Podcast. Bye, guys. I'll see you soon.